0: It's time to Accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to Episode 737. That's 737 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. I have another excellent episode lined up for you today. Joining me this week is my guest Chad Sanderson. Chad's managing partner at Value Selling Associates, and today we'll be talking about creating value-based sales relationships. We're going to kick off by getting into what Chad calls the sales singularity, which he defines as the optimized use of sales tech tools and human relationships in order to create an effective sales process. And we'll talk about why this technology needs to amplify the human element in sales, not replace it, which for long-time listeners, you know that's one of my favorite topics to talk about. We'll also dive into creating conversational frameworks for your reps. Yeah, Most sellers have not been trained in how to hold a conversation. And so, we're going to talk about why focus, mindset, critical thinking skills, uh, business acumen, and interestingly, respect are all critical elements of an effective conversation. That whole thing about respect is is really, really important and not given enough attention. So, you'll make sure you stay with us for all that and much, much more. Now, before I get to Chad, I want to share with you a little bit of information about VanillaSoft. VanillaSoft is the industry's leading sales engagement platform, and they know that sales today is all about speed. That's why you need to download their guide on how to optimize your speed to lead. And You can get it now at VanillaSoft.com forward slash Andy Paul. That's VanillaSoft.com forward slash Andy Paul, because unlike traditional offerings, VanillaSoft does things just a little bit differently. They've eliminated the list that cherry pickers love. Each sales development rep automatically gets fed the next best lead based on that moment in time. and VanillaSoft instantly react to external triggers like buyer intent data and they push those leads to the front of the queue. As well as they automatically revise your lead cadence for your entire team when management shifts their priorities such as the usual end of quarter push to hit target. So it's all about speed. So make sure to download their guide that will teach you how to optimize your speed to lead Get yours now at vanillosoft.com forward slash Andy Paul. All right, let's jump into it. Chad, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Oh, pleasure to have you. So uh, you're joining us from where today? Uh, snowy Denver, Colorado. <laughs> Denver, Colorado. Snowy Denver, Colorado. We're recording this on October 24th, so that's a little early.
1: It is a little early, although, you know, I've, we've had snow. I've seen snow here as late as July, and uh, I've, seen it even, I've seen it even earlier than, than now. Usually, uh, usually Halloween's pretty snowy or rainy or
0: cold. Uh, I think we got it just a little bit early this year. Well, I certainly remember seeing more than one Denver Bronco game. that were <laughs> yeah, yeah. whiteouts. White hey. um, I remember one Monday night game, gosh, 20 years ago. I remember I was traveling on business, and I was out in my hotel, and they were playing the Packers, which one of my teams. And I was like, (laughs) wait, is this game in Green Bay? No, it's in Denver. (laughs) (laughs) It was coming down. So um, somewhere I read you had written something about just (laughs) what that prologue was and jump right into it, (laughs) is uh, what you labeled the sales singularity. So what is the sales singularity?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so you know, if if you're in this field, if you're, if you're trying, if you're in sales enablement, or if you're selling as a profession, um, we get as many new technologies or silver bullets people proclaim are out there uh, as just about any field, right? Maybe not as much as Martech these days, but sales is ripe for hey, here's a new way to to do something. Here's a new piece of technology. Um, And the singularity from my perspective is that as more technology continues to come out, uh, you get new CRMs, you get new outreach tools, you get new cadence-based tools, all of these things. um, It actually has created um, a gap between how to have a real conversation with a real human being. And so the singularity is that bringing it all together and putting reinstalling it on a solid foundation of what it means to to be human, to have a conversation and work to uncover someone else's perspective, what they think is valuable. And that single point, having everything else targeted towards that, gives you a singular way to interact that I think is much more impactful and valuable mm-hmm. than just playing with the latest and greatest new tools.
0: Okay, so sort uh, I don't want to turn that up, an inverse singularity, because a singularity talks about the melding of humans and machines, and what we're talking about is actually, uh, that's not perfection, as some people might assume it's actually less desirable.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, if the technology that we have right now, I think, has a tendency to get in the way. It doesn't, because we're so focused on the technology side of the equation, uh, we forget about how to have the technology amplify the human element to meld correctly in an optimal way. People have a tendency to hide behind the tech. So, give
0: an example of... of the technology people are hiding behind.
1: So, um, think about automated um, templated, and we all get them, right? Of these automated templated emails that you know show oh, up in your inbox. They oh, don't know who you are. Only 100 a day. Only 100 a day. And nobody, nobody's you know, paying attention to that. It doesn't show that you've spent any time trying to understand that individual that you're reaching out to. It doesn't show that you've done any type of understanding of their organization or their role or the challenges that they're having. It is a I'm going to spray and pray kind of approach that is amplified by technology and it has interesting effects on the buyers. The human reaction to that is, Hey, you didn't do any homework. You didn't show me that you know me. You didn't spend any time putting any critical thought into this. You just created a template and shot it out here. So it devalues the relationship right out of the gate. Whereas if you take the time with the automation software to do your research, customize your emails... and And we're not talking writing War and Peace, we're talking about one or two sentences on top of maybe a snippet of information that is pertinent to the role, but that shows that it's more about the human being than just
0: about getting a meeting. So there's a whole school of thought out there that says, yeah, that doesn't matter, right? Because there's there's companies that are doing just as you said, they're carpet bombing uh, prospects either broadly or even on an account basis and saying, look, as long as I get a certain number of responses to that you know it really doesn't pay for me to go back and really personalize this even though we all talk about the need to do it is yeah you know, like that I said the whole school of companies say yeah maybe not so much but on the other hand there are also companies that say yeah no absolutely we should be doing this so uh, where's the balance but it, the balance the balance is that melding of making it
1: Personal enough. Not like I said, we don't want to go crazy with personalization. We still want to use the automation, but just and again, we're not talking a lot. We're talking one sentence, two sentences, something that shows you at least understand something about it, rather than the carpet bomb. Now, the reason it's so important from my perspective, and the mm-hmm. reason I believe this, mm-hmm. is that everybody that's probably watching this or listening to this right now, the vast majority have uh, Amazon Prime. And if you were to ask them why they have Amazon Prime, some will tell you, hey, it's the free shipping. Some will tell you, I have had one guy tell me he wants to see the drones deliver the packages one day. Right? But everybody at the end of the day has in their hand something that gives them what they want that knows them, that refers things to them, recommends things, gives them what they want, when they want, how they want it, on their terms. Now, the proliferation of these types of experiences uh, on the B2C side uh, is, is all about customer experience. And so on that side, I spent 10 years in that industry doing designing those applications so that they reduced friction, that they got us closer to brand loyalty, got people what they wanted faster. The net result of that over 10 years is that now, even in the B2B buying space, whether they can articulate it or not, buyers want a frictionless experience. They want something that's about them. And if we're just templating emails out, yes, statistically, you may be able to get a certain level of numbers. But that introduces friction at the very first touch you have in that sales process. Whereas if you just put a line or two in the front, you're starting with that human to human connection reducing that friction getting them closer to that seamless frictionless sales experience
0: well but again i think some people would make the argument that just by introducing humans into the equation you're creating friction
1: yes but people buy from people first and foremost but not buying from well not everything it depends i'm talking b2b complex sale right sure so so in a b2b complex sale people are still buying from people it's still based on trust it's still based on an understanding it's it's Understanding what are the emotional motivators for someone, what is their perception of value, you know, what are the problems as they see them, not what we're telling them they are. And in order to do that, you have to ask a question instead of just coming at them with statements. Statements, uh, one of our associates likes to say, statements cre- create conflict. Questions uncover solutions. And so, even if the the in that email example, the personalization is just a question that's targeted at understanding them. Then you're better off than, hey, I have this cool new thing you're really going to love. Because you started out talking about you when what we want is to be understanding their perspective. Now, if you can do that on scale, like if I was sending you an email versus other podcast hosts, I would just simply put something in it that shows that I've watched one of your episodes or that I'm familiar with what's going on. The rest of it would be just the standard stuff,
0: right? It'd be the standard. Trust trust me, they all say that. (laughs) As as, as someone who gets uh, five to 10 a week, Sure. Um, yeah.
1: But I would, you know, you gotta, and it doesn't take much like, Hey, I watched this episode with Julie Thomas that was on and, and referenced something like that and just sure. to make it enough. Again, not talking massive. And if you increase the focus, so the human salesperson's focus and mindset so that they are focused on doing research, it takes 15 minutes, no more to do research on an industry and a role to get something that will allow you to personalize it at scale. And that's where I'm talking about the melding of it. You still want to use the tools, but you don't the the carpet bombing templates. I've seen in clients that we work with, I've seen 2X, 3X improvement in meeting set rates just by taking 15 minutes to do research on the role and crafting targeted questions. So I'm not talking about individual personalization necessarily all the time, but more role-based.
0: Okay. All right. I was gonna say because you know, 15 minutes per outbound email isn't really scale. No. Oh, no, no. It's, it's not, not scalable. scalable. Right. No. So, yeah. Okay. Rule-based. Ro- well, let's dig into that, though. So, I mean, you've talked already about the buying experience, and I'm a huge believer that, that the buying experience is hugely important. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way it seems that we've really sort of set up Increasingly, set up sort of the, the specialization or specialized roles in sales is we talk about this idea of, of a relationship people buy from people and so on. Is what is that first outreach, especially if it's somebody just, just trying to set up a meeting to pass it on to somebody else? What's it really accomplishing in your mind in terms of building the relationship that ultimately dictates who they decide to buy from? It's it's from my perspective. It's about can you build
1: or establish trust and credibility? Can you develop a rapport? Because we want we want to be respectful. But but, first but and that's, that's not
0: SDR's job though. Their job is not to build rapport. Their job is to let's get a meeting and let's pass it over to the account exec.
1: You, but also, they would want to qualify at some point because you don't want to. Ideally, you don't want to pass a whole bunch of stuff that's going to waste well, a, an account exec's time. You're
0: you're pre-qualifying. Let's not be too generous. Oh yeah, pre-qualifying. We're, okay, we're qualifying you that you're you're eligible for the next call. Is all we're doing. We're not qualifying yeah, you sure. your prospect. Though people oftentimes confuse that.
1: Yes, and what we want do, basically, do you have problems that we can solve? Do you think you have a problem we can solve? That's all we want to talk about. That's all we want to identify from an SDR standpoint. And we want to do it with respect. We want to do it with, you know, with credibility. And credibility comes from the confidence in the way that you engage with someone. Do you understand how they view the world? How they, you know, do you understand business enough to have a business-level conversation, a role-based conversation? Because the conversation you might have SDR to SDR is going to sound a lot different than an SDR talking to a CEO or a CFO or a CMO, right? And so we want to make sure they at least have the credibility to capture the curiosity and attention.
0: Right. But is an SDR really going to be calling a CEO?
1: It should be. They should be calling the chairman of the board first. Go high. Always go high. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Why?
1: Because you you want the ability to get once, if you get in, they're going to refer you down, which is perfect. That's what you want. I'm not the guy. Talk to this person. Great. I'd be happy to talk to that individual, as long as once I've talked to them and others, I can come back to you with any questions and insights we might uncover. Now, now I have now I have a return ticket. I have access back to the top to power as my sales process progresses.
0: Okay, um, yeah, I don't know that I buy that completely. Is uh, my experience in large <laughs> enterprise sales, um, and actually, I've written about this. I think, especially if you're doing role-based prospecting, is actually you want to start. Uh, must you must you start the role where the person's actually gonna make the decision not the approver sure so, well I,
1: I mean power shifted right we've seen that I think it was a Google report I just read not too long ago about power shifting into the distributing through the organization or something like that
0: well that's I, I, I the, always
1: recommend going high
0: that's been the whole premise behind Challenger is that you know as you get flat organizations you're distributing stakeholders both you know geographically diverse and role-based diversity um, that yeah, I mean, that's like I said, that's sort of the whole premise. You got more, more fingers in the pie at lower levels. Right.
1: But a man, I mean, depending on what you're selling, I mean, I, I, a manager in organizations that we target would be more of an influencer or maybe a coach, but they're not going to be somebody that is going to sway the decision one way or another, uh, unless, you know, if it, it's a small enough organization, perhaps. But what we want is we don't want a single threaded deal. Um I don't want a single thread deal. I want multiple points of contact. So if I'm going after if I go in at, say, a CMO and my goal is ultimately VP of Digital Transformation or uh, Director of Digital or something like that, mm-hmm. I want to talk to as many I want to talk to them, as as many of them as possible, to get enough of an understanding of is there enough value for us to continue the conversation and, and go down this path? And each individual will have a different perspective of what value to them and to the organization will mean.
0: Sure. So let's put this in the context then back of of a relationship. So a relationship that affects the purchase decision. So trust doesn't really get built in that first call. I mean, where's, it, where, where does trust come into the equation?
1: Well, it, I mean, it goes over time. It, it, it comes up over time. I've seen trust get built in a 15-minute SDR call, actually with a client that uh, just last week called into a CFO. And because of the questions that he asked, the CFO actually said, you know, you're the first person who's actually called in here that actually knows my business. And, and that Trust that relationship. That hey, you know what? You've earned some respect. Maybe it's not 100% complete trust, but we're on the path now. If that's handed to handed off correctly to an AE, they can build on that. Then you start to build that trust early, rather than hey, I just ran into you and we don't know. I don't we don't know each other from Bob. So let's talk. Let's just have a conversation. Those are, that's the way it used to happen. We want to, I think, get a little bit closer to that and get more consistent with that as we do our prospecting today.
0: Get more close. To what again?
1: To, to that ability to, to focus on the other individual, to show them you know him, build trust, credibility, and rapport. Sure. You can do it with just a couple of questions. Start the process. Again, you're not going to get 100% yeah. trust. <laughs>
0: yeah, I agree. Um, is, but it seems like one of the disconnects, and I see this all the time, is that you know, the AE is, has to form their own relationship with the person. I mean, that's, sure. really the, that's really the decisive relationship, more so than it's not to describe SDRs, but I mean, we're not asking them to do that. We're asking them to right. facilitate something. So, what are you seeing in terms of sort of where AEs are missing the bet, building relationships? Because we're seeing reported across, you know, reports about close rates dropping, win rates dropping, yep. SDR, yeah, AE performance dropping. <laughs> yep. uh, um yeah, these sort of data points, if we take them at surface value, it doesn't paint a pretty picture. So so where are AEs in your mind? In this I environment think, of the approaching singularity, where are they missing the ball?
1: I think it goes back to that continuing on the relationship. So if we continue to use this example, let's say I call into a VP of digital transformation. I've asked some questions, some pointing questions, role-based, That's that says, hey, I, I understand you. I've got enough of that trust to set a meeting with an AE. Now the handoff from the SDR to the AE should be like, hey, here's the role-based information that we use. This is the to prospect. This is what they've told us so far. What I see a lot of times happen is the AE doesn't trust the information that the SDR has uncovered, even if it's two or three little bullet points, and will make that individual, that VP of digital transformation, repeat themselves. Mm-hmm. And that right there breaks trust. It breaks credibility, right? And the AE is already at a deficit then. But if they can work in unison to to think about that relationship chain, then they're much more effective. Nine times out of ten, though, AEs just have a tendency to go, "Hey, cool, I've got a meeting.
0: Here's this cool thing we've got. You should buy it," rather than taking the time to ask the questions. So the trust, the break in the trust chain is between the SDR and the AEs. I would, I would
1: say, yeah, there's a, there's a break in the trust chain there. I mean, SDRs, AEs have a tendency to think SDRs are. I don't want to say subservient, but let's just say sure. not on the same level, of right? Course, of course they do, All right? So, and I think personally, I think that's a BS perspective because SDR prospecting like that is one of the hardest gigs in sales.
0: Oh, sure, but we encourage that though. Then that's, that's well, the that's point. that's it's a cultural be- thing, then. Well, sure, but I mean, how many professional SDRs have you met? Meaning, it's a career in itself, not a stepping stone to something else. Well, it is t- de- definitely a stepping stone, but I still think SDRs can execute it in a professional level and manner, which is deserving of that parity. Well, I'm not saying they couldn't. I'm just saying that that we create that bifurcation by saying, "Look, we do this is purely an entry level role." And I think you know companies are crazy. Uh, there's lots of underemployed sales professionals in their 40s and 50s that make great yeah. SDRs and would yeah. be happy to do that job for and. By all accounts, you know these sort of late boomers, early Gen Xers are better relationship people. So, yeah. And statistically,
1: uh, I've actually seen the most successful SDRs are ones that have either come out of school and gone into field sales and not been able to not been able to hit the quota consistently, come back in and gone into an SDR role because then they at least understand what's happening beyond them, right, in that process, or those that you just described those that are, that are the Gen Xers or that are older, that don't have a problem with the grind and focus element that is so critical in being a successful SDR.
0: Well, but also, on the other hand, if you, I contend that if you brought in more people, to your point earlier, that have more experience in business and in life, is, and they had these opening conversations, and could then more successfully call higher in an organization, add value to that initial conversation, you wouldn't need to make 50 calls a day. I would agree. I would agree. So the stress and press wouldn't necessarily be there. So I think yeah, I mean, without getting too far off track here, is yeah, I don't I don't think a lot of trust gets built in that the first SDR call. I think what happens is you you activate some interest in what you're talking about. I I I wouldn't call that trust. I'd say it's just in my perspective, is yeah, yeah, that's interesting enough to take the next step, but trusts you know, it doesn't mean we're on a purchase path at all. That's not going to happen until we start building some trust. Sure, and so on. absolutely. But but perhaps we could change that again if if we had the right. Not, I don't want to say the right people because there are people doing a great job as SDRs who are, don't fit that profile. But if we looked at increasing the, I don't know, the career function. right? It says why can't that be a career job for somebody that does a great job at it and they don't to your point earlier, they just weren't a fit in the field, or they weren't a fit with something right. they did before. And why can't they just spend 10, 15 I, years I'm doing it?
1: One, I'm with you 100%. I think, I think we should be looking at that role differently, because there are a lot of people that don't want to travel, that don't want to get on planes, they have families. There's There's other personal reasons why an SDR role where I can go into an office, I can be part of a team, I can provide critical value to the mm-hmm. organization. Because typically, revenue starts there. I mean, uh, we okay. Everybody wants to say AEs prospect. I I've, very few AEs are consistently prospecting. Right, the ones that are
0: very successful do it. They make it look, you know, easy. Well, I, I wouldn't even go that far. I think if it's if it's part of their role, then they should go do it. Right. So true. <laughs> and, and I've seen very successful people do it. Hey, I always prospected my my own prospects yep. when I was <laughs> so. But um, but yeah, no, I think that it's. It is time, and you're seeing some companies already rethink the function and, and yeah, making more team based or, or actually, yeah, upgrading the profile of who they hire into those SDR role because they are such a critical element of that team. And they do need to have substantive discussions, as you gave an example up front of when they get that first call, as opposed to, I've got 30 seconds to get you interested in saying yes to a demo, which is what a large fraction of those calls are.
1: Right. right, and we don't want to go. I mean, we don't want to go right in with that. I mean, we see we've seen the greatest success in organizations where you equip the SDRs first. First and foremost, it's a combination of a cultural um, confidence building approach because most SDRs they they know exactly how they're viewed in the organization, so they instantly have this self defeating view of themselves inside the organization. So whatever we do, we have to kind of build confidence in them. And that then translates into the way that they can interact with a prospect to trip the curiosity circuit. Rather than if, if, if trust doesn't start there, but trip the curiosity circuit, say, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? You have a perspective that is that's interesting enough that I'm willing to spend 15 minutes with you or 13 minutes with you. And you know, I'm impressed that you actually put it in from my perspective. Like mm-hmm. you showed you you were thinking of the world through my eyes instead of just trying to get the meeting. Those two things start to set a stage that I think uh, builds a much greater uh, relationship if it is continually uh, nurtured through the sales process rather than the customer experiencing that friction handoff. Sure.
0: So let's spend a few minutes to talk about what are the specific aspects that you see of sort of what I call human sales skills that Mm -hmm. we should be investing more in training our people to. Be good at,
1: yeah, that's a great question. So for me, first and foremost, they need a framework. They need some kind of tool set that they can use as the foundation. And meaning what we um, meaning it, I don't want to call it process because processes can be changed, percentage you know stages can be changed, but a framework, a conversational framework. a lot of a lot of SDRs have never been trained how to actually have a conversation. First and foremost, so if we're training them how to have a, a, a business level conversation, they need to have some some kind of consistent business acumen. Not you know, I was talking to a lawyer the other day, and he's like, "Yeah, they they didn't teach us in law school how to how to be human, how to have a conversation." And I hear that a lot from from the SDRs that we work with, or even the AES. I get trained in what sales is and what our products do, but I never had the training on how to have a conversation. So that
0: well, I think becomes a critical component. Sure. So it's again, let's dive into that. So, because I've written about this extensively, is, is and agree that, you know, one of the first things we have to do is help people learn how to be human. And, <laughs> Absolutely. And in your mind, what, what does that encompass?
1: Uh, fo- well, focus focus first and foremost, right? So it's mindset thing. I want to focus on the task at hand rather than attempts to, you know, I'm inundated with emails and Snapchat and Slack messages and all this stuff. And people think they're multitasking. Well, the the debate's over. The human brain can't multitask. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, let's focus on the task at hand. And if we can get that focus, then we can start to critically think about the world through somebody else's eyes if you've got the right framework. It takes 15 minutes of research to give you the context and then apply some critical thinking. So focus, mindset, critical thinking skills, all wrapped around how to effectively do research and and tied off with a bow with the business-level acumen. Those things become extremely important. The tech and all of those things are easy enough to train people on if they have the contextual awareness on how they're going to be used from a human element. And I think those are the things that we're seeing the most where you you have SDRs all over the place. They're supposed to be prospecting but their calendar's got like 8 hours of internal (laughs) meetings on it. Right? And so... The time management and the focused mindset those are the places that we always start the rest of it then falls into place
0: well so you brought up something earlier which i think is is uh, important is is respect right yeah. so i think it's more fundamental than the things you chat about because i i think you got to start at a real human level and the first one is is i think that yeah i think Salespeople in general, you know, tend not to serve sort of approach people with an open mind, saying, "Look, I may have my built-in biases. Maybe I don't yep. like, you know, someone who's overweight, or I don't like somebody yeah. this and this." And they really have to learn to, you know, filter through those biases and say, "Look, I've got a human being in front of me, and I have respect for them as a person." Right. And I think if you don't start at that level, and I've got a couple others we can talk about here, is I think. That's problem. So, how do you how do we teach respect? Right? Is this this idea of this is another person? We just have to have respect for them because if, if we don't, well, it's going to shine through in a heartbeat.
1: Oh, and I and I think I'd go I'd go back one step further. I think it's harder to have respect for someone else unless you have respect for yourself. I think you have to have respect for yourself first and foremost. And a lot of,
0: uh, I mean, not to, well, don't wanna, but gets we back don't to go, no, but gets back to what we were talking about before. Though, is, <laughs> you know, if you are an entry-level salesperson thrown into this, this environment, which, you know, not too entirely different than it's always been. I mean, I was out making 30, 40, 50 cold calls a day physically in the field when I first got yeah. started. Um, but the gun wasn't over our head quite as much. Right. We were you know, we weren't we didn't have the same activity metrics necessarily that that SDRs are faced with, though we still are doing a ton of activity. So we created this environment that's that to your point precisely is doesn't really lend itself to people creating self respect and confidence in their own abilities.
1: Right. So any client that we engage with when we're especially working with SDRs, um, there is a there's a lot of conversation and and analysis, quite frankly, of what is the current cultural environment that these people are are in, and from there, how do we then help the organization if it needs to be soften that up, create create a um, more positive culture one that is celebrating uh, the successes and the and the right behavior rather than just focusing on metrics I mean we need to focus on metrics right but we also want to celebrate the right behaviors so how do we create that a lot of that comes from how managers coach or manage and how the rest of the organization respects their counter so The easy way for SDRs to start and managers of SDRs is using time blocking on their calendar and helping the SDRs reinforce with anybody who wants to write over that time block, hey, this person is important. This function, this job that they're doing is critical. This time block is not negotiable. They have to be able to do this. So you can't have that time. And kind of having those conversations over time will build the respect internally if the results continue to follow the way they should. First and foremost, you have to start with respect for self. That comes from managing your time. It comes from doing things at a professional level, even if it is an entry level job. What does good look like? How do we how do we help them understand that? How do we give them the tools sure. and the encouragement to do it?
0: Well, I think that's the important thing you just said. Is I I think for, um, yeah, there is an element of self esteem in this. Without going back to participation trophies and so on, is <laughs> yes, right, and that I think that. The key to people feeling this this self-respect is to feel valued. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and this gets back to again what we were talking about earlier is is making this seem not as just a, a way stop, though it will be certainly for people ambitious and have goals. I mean, I didn't want to be in my entry-level sales job any longer than I need to be and was fortunate <laughs> fortunate enough right. to perform at a level where I got promoted quickly. But by the same token, people that didn't do it as quickly still felt valued. Yep. Um, it seems like that's that's one thing we sort of have to spend more time on, because certainly we underinvest in these people. Uh, we have, I believe, unrealistic expectations for how quickly they will onboard and up, get up to speed. And yeah, it's hard to get into that. Yeah, that's just a cauldron that's very difficult to expect right people to come out of and have the types of conversations you want yeah and
1: it, when we work with clients, we're always looking for the executive sponsor, but we spend the most time honestly with the managers what How are the managers coaching? How are they incentivizing? oh well, we have spiffs, great, spiffs are great, but we all know that money is not always the best motivator. How are you recognized? <laughs> right. how are you celebrating yeah. right so so yeah. what does that look like?
0: yeah, how do we help them do that? right yeah I'm not a fan of spiffs at all yeah. I... <laughs> I have challenged multiple an executive to show me that a spiff actually works. Uh, right. Never seen any evidence that it does either for the individual or for the company itself. You know, I asked several VPs in multiple conversations. So, what's the ROI on a spiff?
1: <laughs> and they probably can't tell you.
0: Of course they can't. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, let's have a spiff close deals Friday instead of Monday. Okay, well, you just gave away 10 margin points to close a bunch of deals on Friday. You're going to get on Monday anyway. So, anyway.
1: So, Sorry. one of the things that we'll do from the management side is, is we'll help them come up with some some of those incentives. And recognition, back to that, how do we make them feel valuable? Recognition is a huge one. And so, one of the things that we've seen clients implement uh, is that, okay, here are the metrics that we need for the, for the quarter, let's say. Here's whatever they are. Uh, meeting set, dials, handoffs, whatever they are. Here's what they are. Whoever is the top performer who, who hits these behavioral points, like we want to see you go through these channels to do it, you're going to get a LinkedIn rec, a personal LinkedIn recommendation from the VP in Q1. Then you get to go in a pool. And each year, at the end of the year, the four people will... They're basically a bake-off who did the best um, throughout the year, overachieved on quota. Then you can get a LinkedIn referral from, uh, from the CEO. Those alone have been, we've seen them be more motivating than, hey, here's a $10 Amazon gift card or whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? Those types of recognition points, because now in order to make that program work, well, the VP has to agree to do it. The CEO has to agree to do it. Mm-hmm. So now the SDRs are getting the view from the top that helps them feel like their roles are more valuable. They know what the recognition is going to be. So we're incenting behavior rather than paying them off to do
0: stuff. Right. Right. But let me ask it from a different perspective and this may be our last question because we're beginning to run out of time but to me I think that the answer to making people feel valued is to invest in them is to invest sure. invest in their development and I think this is the big disconnect when we see such high attrition rates with SDRs and AE's and VPs of sales and so on I mean it's it's all being compressed into very short time frames these days on average is I think the way you make people feel valued and want to stay is we're saying, look, yeah, we want to invest in you. Right. Right. It's not a yeah, recognition is important. But in addition to which, we need to invest in you. We need to say, look, you know, we we want to invest in you in the long run. So, you know, hey, here's an additional training program, here's a continuous learning program you can be part of, here's something we're doing collectively as a group, or we're just gonna be you know, reading books together. We have great success with the companies doing internal book clubs for sales teams that where they're all engaged and learning virtually every day. Then they start feeling like, oh, okay, now they really care about me
1: because yeah. they're
0: they're investing in me as opposed to, yeah, they're I'm getting a bunch of attaboys.
1: And and with every client that we've worked with, that's usually one of the first things we hear from the SDRs or even the AEs. Uh, we're in the middle of a global rollout um, with a a financial large financial company, SaaS company. And we're going around the globe training the people. And the first thing that we tell them is, you know, hey, this is an investment in you. And they are over the top appreciative. Like, wow, we didn't think we didn't think they even knew we were here. I thought we, we just metrics on a dashboard. And to have an executive come in and open up the, the training sessions and then spend the time and the and the money and the energy to invest in them to get them to up level their game, then you start to see That sense of value increase, Mm -hmm. then you start to see them more willing to invest themselves, and then it's just a matter of incenting and building out a plan and a communication protocol that keeps that message going as the training and continual investment happens.
0: Got it. All right, very cool. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, Um, and I only got to just a couple of the questions. Yeah, I thought 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 this might happen. So, um, tell folks how they can connect with you and learn more about what you do. Um, the
1: easiest way is shoot me an email, chad.sanderson at valueselling.com. You can also hit me on LinkedIn, uh, just Chad Sanderson, or you can give me a call. Phone number is 303-834-5932.
0: I love that. That's always what I say, too. Just give a phone number. <laughs> Reach out. So if you're interested in what Chad's doing, and check out Value Selling Associates. Uh, the founder, Julie Thomas, was on episode 200 or something. We're up to 700 and whatever. So, go back in the archive, find that. That was a great conversation as well. So, Chad, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for the week. First of all, as always, I really want to thank you for joining me, taking the time to join us on the show. And I want to thank my guest, Chad Sanderson. You'll make sure you join me again next week as my guest will be Ian Altman coming back for a repeat visit. Ian is co-author of the book, Same Side Selling, How Integrity and Collaboration Drive Extraordinary Results for Sellers and Buyers. He's just released an updated second edition of that book. We talk about that and much, much more, so you definitely want to check that out. So, be sure to join me next week. And before you go, don't forget to visit andypaul.com. Get your copy of my Sales Growth Planner for 2020. In it, I walk you through a step-by-step process to create an incredibly effective sales plan to help you hit your targets in 2020. And this is the same format, sales plan format, I've used for a really long time uh, for all the success I've had in my career. So for more information, visit andypaul.com forward slash planner. That's andypaul.com forward slash planner to get your copy today. So thanks again for joining me. Until next week, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.